0: Welcome everybody, I am Rachel Levy-Lesser. And I am Stephanie Goldstein, and this is Life's Accessories, a podcast about accessories, clothing, fashion, and the stories behind them. We are two friends who love to accessorize and who remember what we wore on pretty much every meaningful occasion, and that is what we love to talk about. You can follow us on Instagram at Life's Accessories Podcast and also on Facebook. You can also email us at Life's Accessories podcast at gmail.com with comments, questions, or accessory suggestions. And
1: if you like what you're listening to, we would love it for you to share this podcast with a friend and rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Also, do not forget to subscribe so that you
0: never miss an episode. Today, listeners, we are so excited to welcome Joe Piazza. Joe is a rock star. Can I just say that she
1: is a very big deal in the podcast space, in the author and journalistic space, and really all the spaces? She's a star. She really is. She's a best selling author, podcast creator, and award winning journalist. Joe is the national and international best selling author of many critically acclaimed novels and nonfiction books, including We Are Not Like Them. Charlotte Walsh Likes to Win, The Knockoff, and How to Be Married. Her newest book, The Sicilian Inheritance, will be published in April
0: 2024. I, I love um, how these people can just crank out these awesome books. It's incredible to me. The
1: books, the podcast, the Everything. content. What can they not do? I know. I know. Superheroes. Joe's work has been published in 10 languages in 12 countries, and four of her books have been published. Op- for film and television she's also the host of several fabulous podcasts including under the influence which i've been binge listening to Mm -hmm. she wants more and
0: also committed and wilder joe is also a former editor columnist and travel writer with yahoo current tv and the daily news new york her work has also appeared in the wall street journal the new york times new york magazine glamour l that 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 we go on and on and on she's incredible Joe holds an undergraduate degree from the University of Pennsylvania in economics and communication and a master's degree in journalism from Columbia University. I know something about that. You know something about you? She's like half of us. Yeah, (laughs) half Rachel, half Stephanie. She She is. Oh my gosh. This is a a first on life's accessories. How about that? She also has a master's in religious studies from NYU. So we don't have that. But that's no, all right. We don't. That's okay. We no. don't know that much about the academic study of religion, I would say. Or anything else. No, I'm kidding. We know lots right. of
1: things. <laughs> we know lots of things. We just we didn't do. make we it didn't... in religious studies past
0: like Sunday. No. School, right. That's exactly yeah. right. So let's welcome
1: Joe on. Hi, Joe. And welcome to Life's Accessories. We're so happy to have you here. Hi.
2: I'm so excited to be here.
0: We are very excited to hear what accessory you have chosen to chat with us about today, Joe. So I
2: chose this vintage gold locket. It's probably not real gold that <laughs> I bought for myself in Rome. Gosh, it must've been about 10 years ago. Rewind time. I went through this phase in my mid thirties where I just started buying myself a lot of jewelry. All of my friends were getting married and I was like the last woman standing and I felt very badly for myself. I was essentially Katherine Heigl in 27 dresses. <laughs> and I started buying myself beautiful jewelry. When I, I had a great job, I had a great life. I was traveling all over the world as a travel reporter. And every place I went, I would get myself something. We I traveled to t- Tanzania to cover safaris in the Serengeti and bought myself an engagement ring. This beautiful Tanzanite ring that I called my engagement ring because I was like, if no man is going to buy me a ring, then I'm going to buy it myself. I found this locket on a solo trip to Rome and it was pricier than you would expect in a little vintage shop, but I bought this for myself. And Now I keep a picture, one of my engagement photos of my husband and I in it, which is also from eight years ago because after I went on this spree of buying myself jewelry and I think just like loving myself more is what this amounted to, this taking care of myself. Like I didn't need a man. I could buy myself the things that made me feel beautiful. And after I started doing that, that's when he just popped up. That's when Nick popped up in the Galapagos Islands unexpectedly on another press trip I was taking. But I think it's because I had started to really love and care for myself. And so that's why I chose the locket to show you guys. And it also has special significance because I bought it in Italy and we went back to Italy this summer because my new novel, The Sicilian Inheritance, is set in Sicily. And I, I needed to finish, I need to finish reporting and, and writing it. So I took the whole family there. And we discovered this picture of my great, great grandmother, Lorenza Marsala, who the book is loosely based on her murder. And in it, she has a similar piece of jewelry, a similar locket. So I feel like this locket was meant to find me. And I wear it almost every day.
0: Okay. This might be one of my most favorite life successory stories to date. Same, same. I love all the stories, but this is incredible. Absolutely incredible. I think we have lots of questions about this locket.
2: Yes. Yes. yes I just right. have a
1: comment too, yeah. which I feel like you're channeling my mother who would always be like back in the day. Just take care of yourself. You don't need a guy. They always show up when you're not looking and... This
2: is the perfect example, right? It's true. It's true. Yes. You, but you also, when you're in it, when you're in the thick of it, you never believe it. So no, everyone's right. like no they, no, they show up when you're not yes. looking. When you're not,
0: when you're least expecting it, when that's least when it happens. It. yes. And
2: there I am, and just then I get on this boat, expecting to cover the Galapagos with a bunch of oh, senior my citizens.
0: Gosh. I used to say, okay, I'm least expecting it. Ready? Wait, what was he doing in the Galapagos? How did that happen?
2: Nick just showed up in the Galapagos. He just showed up. No, he was also a journalist. He like coming out of the ocean, right? Right. Yeah, (laughs) kind of. Yeah, with long hair and hiking sandals on. Yeah, he was also a journalist. He ran his own publication about sustainability called Triple Pundit back then. And he was covering sustainability in the Galapagos. And I was writing about taking selfies with sea lions. You can imagine whose stories did better. (laughs) <laughs> and we just did 10 days on a boat and got engaged three months later. Wow. I know. It's That's wild. Wow. It's wild. Yeah. Wow. And then three we years. got married about six months later on my 35th birthday. That's amazing. That's All awesome. right.
0: So tell us, are there other, you mentioned the engagement ring in Tanzania, other accessories that stand out from your
2: travels? Yeah. I, I bought these beautiful, I, lo- I love vintage jewelry, these beautiful vintage Pearl earrings that are massive. They're not just tiny studs, they're like big pearl earrings. When I was in Albania, actually, of all places. I have to say, the locket and the ring really are my favorite. And then another crazy coincidence because as I get older, and especially after writing Sicilian Inheritance, I think I might be a Sicilian witch. But I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I definitely know things. I definitely know things. My daughter's birthstone is actually Tanzanite. My third surprise baby her birthstone is Tanzanite. And for years, I've had this ring, this engagement ring I bought myself and I'd never heard of Tanzanite before. Who'd heard of Tanzanite? Unless you were living in Tanzania. See,
0: the universe does speak to us. I'm convinced. That's proof. We kind of think of you as
1: a podcast queen in a very good way. Oh, thank you. Right. I, you know, I, th- I kind of yes. think of myself as a podcast
2: queen now too. I do. You are. You, you are. are. You
1: are. So we've been binge listening to Under the Influence, but I've listened to a bunch of other, of other podcasts that you've had. In fact, we've had some guests in common here and there over the years. Can you tell us about Under the Influence, your podcast now, and how that came to yeah. be, yeah. and the whole just influencer mom culture? I was- jaw dropped when I was listening to the recent episode about trad wives. So can we discuss the whole under the influence mom influencer situation here?
2: I, I got the idea for under the influence about four years ago, which is crazy. When my first daughter was born and she was a really colicky baby and wouldn't sleep unless I was holding her. So of course I didn't sleep. And all I was doing was scrolling Instagram, which was turning me into a psycho zombie And because I had a baby and because Instagram knew that I had a baby, it just kept serving me mom influencers, these beautiful, very blonde, very white women with very clean houses and everything was organic and their babies were never dirty. And I was just like covered in pee and breast milk. And I felt like I was failing at everything because of these images I was looking at. And I decided to start reporting about it. And the original goal was to kind of peel back the veil on mom influencing and expose it. And the more that I dug into the world, the more complicated it became. These women are entrepreneurs and they're serving up content that ends up quote unquote working on Instagram and they're trying to build a business. It becomes more difficult to fault someone when they're trying to find ways to support their family in a world that doesn't support women working after they have children. Mm -hmm. And so Under the Influence was born, and now it went from being seasonal to I took it back from iHeart, and now we're weekly, and now we do interviews with... Everyone from people who are critical of influencing and social media as, and I think we all should be critical of social media and influencing because it is changing our brains and it is definitely not good for us. I think that we will look back 30 years from now and view social media the same way a lot of us view smoking. And my Mm -hmm. view on smoking now is, oh my God, I fucking loved doing it so much in my thirties, but it was definitely not good for me. And I think that's how we'll think about Instagram in 30 years. Recently, you had an
0: episode about your guest who quit Instagram, but you also recently did a mini episode on being a, a good enough mom. And we love that. But talk to us in your words for our listeners why are we good enough?
2: First off, th- this piece of advice that I got a long time ago. When I in the early days of, of motherhood was if you're so worried that you're not a good good enough mom and you're feeling mom shame and mom, mom guilt, you're already a good enough mom because bad moms don't worry about it. Mm. Uh, and I think that's really true and we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. I have to say, you know there's so many quote unquote parenting influencers out there. Dr. Becky is one of them. and it's like they're giving us homework all of the time and telling us that we are completely responsible for literally all of our children's emotional regulation and it is so stressful to read those feeds and there's some good tips it's always useful to hear how other people parent but i've decided i want to call bullshit on dr becky in a lot of ways because I feel like she's putting so much of a burden on parents that doesn't need to be there. Mm-hmm. I like, I'm very much a child of the eighties. We were told to go outside. We didn't have water bottles. There was like one source of hydration in the entire neighborhood, that, which was a garden hose that you yeah. like in someone's or the, backyard. Or the
0: water bubbler in school where the water would come out. Yeah. Just where you had to put your mouth metal on metal it, thing. on yeah.
2: the metal thing. Okay. And And I grew up with two pretty checked out parents who were definitely alcoholics well into my teenage years. And I grew up fine. I'm fine. No one was sitting me down and being like, can you take a deep breath now? Can you name your three emotions? I just think that the world of social media and parenting advice influencers has gotten so out of hand Mm -hmm. that we really need to check ourselves because- It is giving us anxiety. You watch one of these videos and they're saying, this is how you regulate your child. And you think to yourself, if I'm not doing this, am I a bad parent? No, you're not. You're a great parent. We're all trying to make it. We're all trying to do the best that we can. It's not easy. I'm sure if you're worried about being a good mom, I'm sure you're a good mom. Your house Mm -hmm. doesn't have to look perfect. You don't have to sit down and meditate for five minutes every day with your goddamn kid. I let my kids watch a lot of TV, probably a lot of movies that are entirely inappropriate for their age level. And still feel like a good mom. Feel like a good mom every day. I've decided to completely... Let go of my mom guilt and my mom shame because I think I'm doing an all right job. You make us feel so seen and heard. I feel so much
1: better. I'm <laughs> uh, laughing about the way you grew up because it's so true. If my mom had Instagram back in the 80s, first of all, she wouldn't know how to use it. But it would be videos of us like riding around in the backity back of the station. The way back. Right? In the, the way, way, back. Way, way back. The way back. In the way facing,
2: back. The yeah, way back. In the, facing, facing the wrong the way. Facing the wrong no, way with yes. no no Being herded out. like cattle. Yeah. Left in the car. Like my mom would go into the grocery store. Yes. And I with would the sit the window and, shut. With the window shut, and I'd sit in the car and read my babysitter's club book. Like, we're fine. We're we are fine. so fine.
0: So I'm fine. fine. I'm a little dehydrated, but I'm okay. Right. I'm- right. Can you talk to us
1: more about podcasting in general as a medium? Because in addition yeah. to Under the Influence, you are the creator and host of She Wants More, Wilder. Shout out to Laura Engels Wilder. Yeah. Fierce, committed. The list goes on. We were talking a little bit before offline that you and Stephanie both went to Columbia Journalism School. So what do you think about podcasting as a medium? I don't even want to say a new medium, but as a medium for storytelling and reporting.
2: I, I find podcasting to be a perfect medium to create an intimate connection with an audience and to truly tell a story in a world that has ultimately abandoned long-form journalism. Mm -hmm. I I really think it's the one place that people's attention span is not wavering. no one will read a long-form, not no one, most people aren't gonna read a long-form article anymore. Less people are reading books than they used to. And yet somehow people will binge 12 hours of a podcast, right? There's just something really intimate about audio as a medium. I was in right on the new boom in podcasting. I started the podcast Committed about eight years ago with how stuff works. And wow. then we moved over to iHeartMedia. And I desperately want that feedback. I I need to send them an email because I, I would like to restart Committed because it was such a great podcast. Just talking to people openly and honestly about marriage and how people do this weird thing that was based on my book, How to Be Married. And all of a sudden, podcasts just started blowing up and you had such great podcasts. But then you also have an influx of really shitty celebrity podcasts, which Mm -hmm. I do think have crowded the space and pushed out really great journalists who are doing excellent work because advertisers want celebrities. And so that's been tricky for the podcasting world, but it's also easier than ever to make a podcast. It's also a thing that is both good and bad for the industry because it means that we have such a diversity of voices in podcasts. I now make my own episodes of of Under the Influence. I'm producing them on my own, the tools at my disposal are so good. But that also means that editors and more editors and producers are out of work. All of this, I think, makes for just a complicated view of, of the podcast industry. And also at the end of the day, not everyone needs to have a podcast. I do think that I talk to a lot of authors whose publishers say things them like you need to start a podcast it'll be good for your brand and not everyone should be podcasting and that's fine you don't have to if we
0: can move on to books because you've written is it 10 books i think it's 12 you know we need need to talk to our fact checking department right i I will get on on that yeah
2: two two of them were written for the tv show younger so they're written under the names Uh. of younger characters talk to us about that whole
0: process of writing all these delicious books.
2: I was a journalist for so long as a reporter. I was a tabloid reporter at the New York Daily News. I ran the news departments of some real trashy gossip magazines. I was a Bond reporter for a while, a political reporter at Current TV. I have covered it all. And I started writing books about 12 years ago. So I think it's been about a book a year sometimes two books in one year. Um, Amazing. I really like it. I also don't get writer's block because I am so trained as a daily newspaper reporter that I will just get my butt in a chair and start writing and write until I have my word count done. I don't like dilly-dally. I don't go back and edit. I also don't work with an outline, which makes a lot of people really nervous, including my (laughs) co-writer, Christine Pride, who I wrote... A couple novels with, and we're working on a third right now. Christine outlines everything so meticulously. And I'm like, I don't know how this book is going to end. And she's like, You're giving me hives. But I do think that there's in fiction some magic in letting the book guide you where it wants to go. With the Sicilian Inheritance, the one that comes out in April, I legit had no idea how it was going to end. Until it ended, until like one day I just, kind of came to me. And that's the beauty of getting your butt in the seat every single day. It's that the characters start to speak to you when you're not in the seat, when you're not writing. And I think they really come alive for you if you just put in the hours and you put in the work. And so Glamour Magazine actually just asked me this exact question. Like, what is your advice for writers out there? And that's what I said. I'm like, it's a muscle, I think, more than it is a talent. And you just have to keep working on mm-hmm. it. So how many hours a day do you write? Everything I do is also writing, but in terms of novel writing, mm-hmm. I could write for, I could bang out. Right now I'm doing NaNoWriMo, National Novel Writing Month. You are, cause it's I November. Yeah, I did that. Mm-hmm. I did that a couple mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah, yeah, And it's tough because it's about 1600 words a day. And I usually do about a thousand words a day, which I think is a nice number. Mm-hmm. It's not too much, not too little. 1,600 is rough, especially on weekends. And so this is the first weekend that I didn't hit my word count for two days and now I'm playing catch up. But I'm about, I think it said, I'm 65% of the way to 50,000 words. Yeah, is this not, a
1: new book that you're just
2: you came up with? It's a new one, yeah, yeah. It's a new one that I came right. up with for NaNoWriMo. Um, can I, can I go
1: back and just ask you about working yeah. with Christine Pride because I loved yeah. We Are Not Like Them? That was one of my it's, favorite yeah. books of the year. Stephanie and I were always on Google Docs. How do you actually co write a book with somebody? Is it
2: Google Docs? Do you say you take chapter one, I take chapter two? I know we're getting into the weeds. Co writing is a much more, I think, technical process than when you're writing on your own because you have to know where the other person is going to be going in each chapter. You can't wing it. We do work in Google Docs. Christine, that was our first big fight because she worked in publishing and publishers really love Microsoft Word. And I said to her, what are we going to do? Trade back and forth 1,500 versions of this document? We're never going to know what we're working in. And I, I converted her fully to Google Docs. I attempt to convert many of my editors and agents to Google Docs on a Mm -hmm. regular basis, Mm -hmm. I do think it is the best platform for co-writing. We like it.
0: Yeah, much much easier to collaborate. We're going to be hard hitting here for a moment. We're going to quote you.
2: Yeah, please do.
0: You once said, I believe the internet is slowly driving us all insane and making us unhappier on a daily Mm -hmm. basis. And I write a lot about how to change that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's right. I think Rach and I would agree. It is making us (laughs) crazy. Insane. Um, That's mm -hmm. why we're sending each
1: other reels. It's unbelievable. It's too Mm -hmm. much. Mm -hmm.
0: It's It's too much. much. Tell us more about your thoughts on that.
2: You know, I genuinely believe that social media has very much eroded our attention spans. Mm -hmm. It has given us a very false sense of the way that other people live. It's also made us a lot more isolated in our thinking because the algorithm rewards you with more stories about things that it thinks you will like. And so we rarely get outside of our boxes mm-hmm. that that we think about who we think we are. And so all of our beliefs are just really imprinted even more firmly on us, you had mentioned the tradwives earlier. That's Wait, can you say can you say what tradwives are? It's a hashtag tradwives. It's a group of influencers, women on TikTok and Instagram. Trad is short for traditional, yeah. and typically very conservative, often very conservative Christian women who choose to stay home and be completely supported by their husbands. But it's more than a stay-at-home mom. I respect the hell out of stay-at-home moms. like They are the CEOs of their households. These women say that they're very submissive to their husbands. They let their husbands not only make all of the money, but make all of the financial decisions. Uh, They often don't support girls going to college because they think that it infringes on their best breeding years. I did this episode on Trad Wives and A lot of people really liked it and a lot of people really didn't like it. And I got messages from some women who said, look, we consider ourselves more traditional wives, but we'd like you to hear our side of the story. And I said, yeah, let's do this. And we had a great conversation. Some, not all of these women believe they are making a more subversive choice because the corporate world doesn't support women and mothers. And so they're like, I would rather clean toilets than be treated like shit being a teacher or a nurse at this point. And that's a point of view that I wouldn't have heard or seen in the mm-hmm. internet bubble, mm-hmm. but it was important for me to have that conversation mm-hmm. and I got a lot of reactions then from my more progressive friends that were like, this made me very uncomfortable. And I'm like, good. Because the internet doesn't try to make us uncomfortable. Its goal is to make us not not comfortable. That's how I felt. Before,
1: when I just saw the headline, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to listen to this with one ear open or whatever you want to say. Right. And then I was like, oh my God. Yeah. It did make me uncomfortable.
2: But to think, and yeah, as a journalist, I also believe that the internet has destroyed local journalism. It's destroyed most good journalism. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't think that we will look back on this time fondly. And I am also terrified of what's happening with recently. So I use Descript for my podcasts. I don't know if you guys use that. We do too. Um, Yep, same. So have you seen their AI function where they'll turn your script into a blog post? No, No, but I was wondering about that
1: because- I noticed some of your podcasts have gone up on Substack. No. Descript. So
2: for no, long, okay. no. So for, so I only noticed it last week and my podcasts go onto my Substack, but I always end up just writing them, right? I right. Like, do the work of turning, you know, the podcast into what would be like a magazine story and it's labor intensive. I'm not going to mm-hmm. pretend that it isn't. But then I saw, I got notification that Descript could turn your script just by scanning the audio into a blog post. I'm like, oh, this is probably going to be so bad. It was so fucking good. Oh my God. So for our listeners,
1: the script is this amazing program that takes everything we say here and it puts it into written format and then we edit it. And I was telling Stephanie that I spend so much time in descript that when I'm talking to a person like at dinner and they start saying
2: I see the little descript blue underline. Yeah. Go- I can see it. I see yeah it. I can see it highlighted. I'm and highlighted I'm always thinking yeah. yes.
0: about if I can't wait for the new version that's ready. Right? That's
2: yeah. in always three seconds. Out. There's always mm-hmm. a new
1: version. <laughs> always mm-hmm. a new version. Yeah.
2: There's always a new version. They've also made it so much better. But yeah, so I had it generate a blog post for me. The blog post that the AI generated was like a real good. And it sounded like me because it's pulling it from the script, right? right? right. So it's not like when you use chat GPT and you ask it things, it like often sounds like a robot. This didn't, it sounded like me, but it took what is usually probably an hour of work Mm -hmm. to two minutes, which is saving me labor. But if it can do that, it can write my books. I have no doubt. I'm not one of these people that pretends that there's inherently magic in what I do. If they're training AI on the books, then it will eventually write books. So I say all the time that I need to find a hard skill such as plumbing or electricity. It's I can knit. I, knit I can't knit. I can't knit. Yeah. But I, I did recently find out I may not be too old to be a commercial pilot. Tell us about that. Yeah. There's a massive pilot shortage. They're they're down about 17,000 pilots. Mm-hmm. And so what used to be very expensive to get trained mm-hmm. as a pilot, if you didn't have military training, the airlines are now subsidizing it and you don't have to retire until you're 65. So I would have a good 20 years left of being able to be a commercial pilot and they have pensions. I love flying. So I convinced my, one of my sorority sisters came up here last Friday because her son was in a lacrosse tournament here and I convinced her to do this with me. And we decided that we'll be pilots together and we'll record a podcast in the cockpit. I've been thinking about it so much lately that then I had another book idea where I genuinely love to speak to people that have switched careers and not switching careers from, oh, I went from being a journalist to an Instagram influencer. Like that's the same thing. I went from being a journalist to being a commercial pilot. So I'd mm-hmm. love to hear people that like did that full on pivot yeah. in midlife. life. Because I think that it's going to be so necessary for millions and millions of people because of AI replacing their jobs Mm -hmm. in the next 10 Mm -hmm. years.
1: That sounds like the topic for your next podcast.
2: I want to call it Switch. Yeah.
1: Switch. Switch. I like that. I I totally got sucked into this Instagram reel the other night. It was unlike something I would normally watch, but Mm -hmm. I don't know what airline it was. It looked like a small commuter airline where Mm -hmm. the pilot proposed to his girlfriend Mm -hmm. from the cockpit. I was so all in Oh, it was amazing so I, I like the whole pilot career switch idea for sure I like the I do pilot too.
2: career switch switch for me I'm so just like
0: that could be really fun I have an important pilot question mm-hmm, mm-hmm. are you going to be a pilot who gives the whole this is what the flight's going to be like we're going to have some bumpiness here it's going to be smooth here or are you just going to be quiet the whole time and then just mumble at the end I think I want to be a talkie pilot. I yeah, think it's it more fun. I will be a passenger on
2: that plane. When they don't talk, I wonder if anyone's really there. I think I think it's more fun to know that your pilot is a human being up there who like is actually very invested in your trajectory on this airplane
1: who has a family to go home to who, who has a family to go as home much to as they yeah, as you love exactly. your family in your new career will you be wearing to bring her back to the accessory will you be wearing your locket is this something yeah you would? Definitely. okay
2: i'll definitely be okay. and i like the clothes that pilots wear i like the fitted white shirts i'm very into this for me so this is my latest this is my latest plan to continue to be able to pay my mortgage is to become a commercial airline pilot Mm-hmm. I I think that's
0: brilliant. So while you're not training to become a pilot, where can our listeners find you?
2: So sadly, they can find me on the Instagram. I, the <laughs> platform that I ship on a daily basis uh, is also where I sell the most books. To be honest, where I reach podcast listeners, and so I'm at Joe Piazza author on Instagram. I have JoePiazza.com, but no one goes to anyone's personal websites anymore. And my <laughs> Substack is called. Over the Influence, the podcast is called Under the Influence, and my new book, Sicilian Inheritance, is available for pre-order right now. And the weird thing is that we just have to beg people to pre-order the book because that determines how many they actually end up printing. And so it becomes this crazy thing of pimping yourself out on a daily basis. Totally. I was thinking about
1: that the whole time that we're trashing Instagram a little bit, but that's where you are really crushing it on Instagram because I laugh all the time when I see on Instagram. I think you had a reel the other day where you were early morning going to get rid of children's books.
2: Oh my God. I (laughs) snuck out of this house under the cover of darkness to get rid of a baby shark book that sang at me. And my daughter knew too. She looks at me. She's like, What's in that bag? And I'm like, nothing. And then for two days, where's the baby shark book? I don't know. You must have lost it. And then just shaming them. And you better take better, better care of your things, guys. But I had to I have to go to a little free library that's not close to my house because I know that it'll come back to me. It will come back. You'll never be done with that damn shark. Yeah. It's like those
0: those bottles that are thrown out into the ocean and they come back a few years later. They will
2: always come back. They always come back. They always
0: come back. That's fantastic. Joe, it was such a pleasure to this chat with you so today. This was so fun. I Thank loved it. Thank you so it. much for joining us. Thank you we for having it. me.
1: We loved it. This was so much fun. I have a lot to wrap my head around right now with this whole podcasting, Substack, Instagram. Because sometimes Stephanie are like, "Are we influencers? Do we want to be influencers?" Because people come to us with their accessories, but mm-hmm.
2: I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot. And It's also. I feel like I, I say this on the podcast a lot. I would quit Instagram, but I can't because I want to, I would love to write books for the rest of my life. I don't know if that's viable. I just don't know if that will remain a career option for me. And I do know that by being on Instagram and having the Substack, that people will then hear about my book, which I fucking love. But would I care about being quote unquote relevant if I didn't if I didn't have products to, to talk about. And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I, I think back on before the social media you'd write a book and the author wouldn't worry as much about right. what was going to happen after you wrote it. And now you, you really worry. You're like, what's your platform? Am I doing enough? And that is, that's the exhausting part. I could write mm-hmm. books over and over and over again. It's the selling and the marketing that just it's it kills you. We hope our listeners will go check you out
1: speaking of selling yeah. and marketing go I'm sure they will. Yes. Pre-order go the pre-order. Check yeah. out the Substack, subscribe to the pods. You're going to laugh, you're going to yeah. learn. It's going to be amazing. You're going to love it. Yeah. Thanks for joining us,
0: Joe. Thanks, Thanks, ladies. Jo.
1: Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Life's
0: Accessories. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate us, and get in touch. Thanks for tuning in.